0: This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs.
1: Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing And you're desperate for some healing Let me tell you about my Jesus He makes a way
2: where there ain't no way Rises up from an empty grave Ain't no sinner that he can't save Let me tell you about my Jesus His love is strong and His grace is free. And the good news is I know that He can do for you what He's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus and let my Jesus change your life.
1: Broken dreams and wasted years until the past to disappear. Oh, let me tell you about my Jesus and all the wrong terms that you would
2: go and undo if you could. Who could work it all for your good? Let me tell you.
1: guilty who would care that much about me let me tell you about my jesus oh he makes a way
0: Awesome, thank you, thank you so much, Crystal. My mom passed away about ten and a half years ago, um, and I try to honor her and visit her grave on a fairly regular basis. This past week, Thursday morning, uh, early before the cemetery gates were open for driving traffic, I parked outside the cemetery and walked to her grave. Before the sun came up, I spent some time remembering her life and thanking God for her. I want to honor her, one, because she was my mom, and I believe motherhood deserves honor. But secondly, because she, of course, along with my dad, were greatly responsible for my spiritual formation Mom didn't have an easy life. She grew up in a rural community in Indiana, part of a very poor family. She only got to go through the eighth grade. Uh, But as my dad would say, she was the smart one of the family, and God did indeed bless her with a very keen mind. But not only was her childhood difficult, her adult life was not easy either, as missionaries in Bolivia Oh, right around 65 years ago, they did not have the comforts that Faith and I had as missionaries when we served there even 30 years ago. But in that third world country, part of the time, mom and dad lived in remote villages, a couple of which were very, very primitive, literally way, way back in in, in the middle of the Andes mountain range. One of those villages was called Kime and was about 10,000 Three or 400 feet above sea level. The guys that climbed with us uh, a couple weeks ago in Colorado, that's about where we camped. Uh, There at base camp, that's where we lived. And just so you know how remote this village is, uh, this morning I want to take you on a quick trip south of the border. This is vacation season and some of you maybe didn't get a chance to to go, but I want to go ahead and uh, switch. If you could just switch inputs here. And, um, oh boy, here. um. All right, so we start out here in Eldredo Springs. And, uh, in fact, let's just kind of zero in where we are right now. Uh, This is where we are seated. This is our our church building right here. You can kind of imagine uh, where you are in this building. But we're going to leave uh, Eldredo Springs, and we're going to fly to Bolivia, South America. And um, give us just a minute, and it may make you dizzy because we're going to go really fast here. We're going to leave North America. We're going to cross the Gulf of Mexico, and uh, we are going into flying into La Paz, Bolivia. This is the airport that we just landed at. This is the highest international airport in the world. And, And guys, again, uh, that climbed this airport is at 13,300 feet above sea level. And it's uh, not only the highest international airport in the world, but it has, I believe, the longest runway, two and a half miles long. Uh, those of you that fly, you know, in, in, uh, in a jet, you know that here in the States it takes about 30 seconds from the time that they shoot the juice to it to where it lifts off. Uh, here, because of the elevation, it takes uh, about 60 seconds to get, to get off the ground. But anyway, we just landed there. This is the city of La Paz, several million people, the, the upper plane there, and then you come down here, this is the bowl, um, and, and they're, they're actually considered two separate cities. But anyway, that's where we landed. Let's just kind of, I want to show you, the reason I'm showing you this is I want you to see the remoteness of the Andes mountain range, and so we're going to just come over here, and um, we're flying across this, and right here is, uh, we'll just kind of uh, take a detour here over Mount Illimani, and Hans and I, we were able to climb this mountain, but anyway, let me just kind of, uh, for those of you that maybe are aspiring mountain climbers, and you want to, we'll turn this around here, and just kind of give you the route, uh, you can kind of see the route there that, uh, You had to get up on this knife ridge, and then you you get up to about right there, uh, actually right here, and that's your high camp at about 18 some thousand feet, and then you go on up, and uh, let me just see if we can see an actual trail here. Yeah, look, there are some, we can't see any climbers, but let me bring this in. You can see the actual, this is called the ladder to heaven, and knowing that most mountain climbers are not godly, you could probably say ladder to someplace else. Uh, but anyway, there is the little trail that you traverse up a very, very uh, steep incline. And uh, okay, anyway, we, we got, we got kind of distracted here on this mountain and uh, stood on the top of it. But anyway, it's a very beautiful mountain. Let's, let's keep on going across the Andes mountain range. And again, look how remote this is. Um, and, and so we're going to just keep on going over here. And I'm going to take one more detour, if you would just allow me. Uh, Just to share a little bit about my life some years ago, you see a a little village here by the name of Viloco, and uh, this is a little... By by the way, you think our roads are bad here? Uh, You know what? Just be thankful for the roads here in Cedar County, okay? Uh, But anyway, uh, we, we come on down here to this little mining village and uh, I've been in this village many, many times. In fact, what's so cool about this village, this right here is our church, Church of God of Holiness. And I've uh, been there many times. I've slept in that building right there. But again, just kind of look at the, the remoteness of, of this little village. But we're not to our destination yet we're, where mom and dad lived. Let's see if we can find it here. Come on over, another snow-covered mountain. And... Um, we come over here to this little village called Kime. Now, this, again, is very, very remote, um, and it's just, uh, just a small village. Now, obviously, this was back 56, 7 years ago, and so <clears throat> it, was a mu- it was a much smaller village at that time. And, and again, just kind of look at the roads. Um, this is not for the weak of heart, uh, <clears throat> traveling these roads. But anyway, mom and dad lived here in this, this village of, of Kime. Now, Kime, and Kime, we didn't have to worry about brown recluse spiders, but we had to worry about scorpions. Uh, before we sat down in a chair, we always had to make sure that there were no scorpions in the chair, and there were times where we just about parked ourselves on a scorpion. Um, Kime, and, and this is probably too much information, but I know you won't tell anybody, but this is the first place that I ever tasted a strong drink, a, a fermented drink. I was four or five years old. And, and by the way, that's four or five, not 45. But I was four or five years old and was walking on the streets by myself. We did that kind of stuff back then, and it, it was safe. But, um, you know, some guys saw me, and of course they knew me. It was a small mountain village. And so this, this strange kid, Why, you know, we, we all knew each other. But they thought they would have some fun with me. And they gave me some really strong homebrew or moonshine. And as a little kid, I trusted them, and I, I, I didn't know what it was. So I took a big swig of it, thankful for it. And it, it burned all the way down. And as soon as it got down, I realized, you know what, it's not going to stay down. And so it came back up and burned all the way back up. Um, but mom and dad, and, and I just wanted to show you this, you know, just just to show you, kind of give you a background you know how remote areas, this uh, very, very difficult terrain. That's where mom and dad lived. They lived in another village at about 13,000 feet above sea level. But, but despite mom's difficult I, I guess we need to probably get back home. Uh, we don't want to leave you there. Uh, we got to come back home here and let you in on the journey. Gulf of Mexico and back to um, Eldorado Springs and then let's get you to the building, and then we'll we'll come back to our lesson. Okay, we're, we're back home. There we are. Okay, you can change the input now, guys. Thank you so much. Um, but despite mom's difficult life, and, and maybe even in part uh, as a result of it, mom became a woman of prayer. And, and I think we probably use the phrase prayer warrior way too loosely. You know, if, if somebody prays just a little bit, we say, well, they're a prayer warrior. Uh, but mom was a prayer warrior. And, and I truly believe the little bit of success that God has granted me has been in part to, to mom's prayers. And as mom would pray, she had such a tender heart, would rarely pray without tears. In fact, if dad would call on her to, to pray a prayer of blessing over the food, almost always it would end in tears. But anyway, I, I, I try to honor her and and, and visit her, her grave, and, and on occasion, Faith goes with me. At times, Jace wants to go, and he doesn't remember her. She died when, when he was about five and a half months old, so he doesn't remember her. But, but here is a picture of his little stubby hand uh, resting on her hand's, hand there just uh, a few hours before Mom passed away. Um, but as I go to the cemetery and look at the tombstone where Mom was laid to rest, all it has on it is just her date of birth and her date of passing. But in retrospect, I, I wish that we had had a phrase engraved on it. Uh, you know, when you go to a cemetery, you will on occasion see an inscription engraved on the tombstones. And, and, and Thursday, as I was walking there, just in, in the pre-dawn hours, walking there, I could, I could see. It was light enough where I could see. And, and, and someone had put the Lord as my shepherd. And and uh, another tombstone was interesting. As I walked by, there was an unopened can of beer there. And I guess the deceased must have liked the beer, and he hadn't been able to get it yet. But, um, you know, other tombstones I've, I've heard about say this. You know, I told you I was sick. Someone actually put that on there. Here's another one. I knew this would happen. Uh, someone else put, she always said her feet were killing her, but nobody believed her. Uh, some of you didn't get that. Um, at last, a hole in one, I have nothing further to say. And then this was really interesting, it said, he loved bacon. <laughs> Whatever. But, but as I thought about this with mom, I, I wish we had put an inscription with four words on her tombstone. Words that I wish at the end of my life could be put on my tombstone, but I'm not deserving of those words as she was. Here are the words that best describe my mom. She walked with God. As I look back on mom's life, I can't point to anything she accomplished that really made world news. She never wrote a book, even though she had a lifetime of experiences that could have filled several books. She never invented anything, nor made news in the scientific world, even though her math skills were outstanding. And and with only an eighth grade education, businesses, truly, businesses wanted her to keep their books for them. She never made the headlines in music, even though she did a pretty good job of playing the piano. And and, and mom played the accordion, and she was quite the hit there in Bolivia, travel around with her, you know, pumping her accordion. She never made her first million dollars, much less her second million, even though she could take a penny and stretch it farther than most people. Mom was never a great speaker, even though she did have quite a bit of experience lecturing us kids when we did wrong. She never studied Greek, nor nor the Hebrew text of the Bible, even though she could definitely hold her own with Bible knowledge. But I think what describes my mom the best was that she walked with God. And our lesson today will talk about a man that, that Scripture tells us did walk with God. Now, if we would take time to read the entire chapter that provides the background for our Scripture, it would almost make you think that we are walking through a cemetery, looking at tombstones like I did early this past Thursday morning. And in fact, if, if there's a, a morbid chapter in the Bible, it's Genesis chapter 5. And if you were raised reading the King James Version like I was, you will see that it's full of the word begat. And if you don't know what begat means, it simply means to procreate or to generate offspring. And if you kids want more information, talk to your parents about that. But, but Genesis chapter 5 has so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so begat so-and-so. And, and it goes through 11 generations of begetting, starting with Adam, ending with Noah. But here's the morbid part. Common sense tells us that if you have 11 generations of begetting, then you will also have 11 generations of dying. And so as you read Genesis chapter 5, it's as if every little bit you hear the death bell toll as we read the words, and he died, and he died, and he died. Now back then they lived longer than we do today. Adam lived 930 years, but he still died. A man named Jared lived 962 years, but he died. Methuselah, you've heard his name, he lived 969 years but he died. And try to think <clears throat> how it would be to live 969 years. Here's some worthless trivia that, that has nothing to do with our lesson. If Methuselah ate three meals a day, the number of times he would have dined would have been almost one million. One million. If he had brushed his teeth regularly, changed out his toothbrush every month, as our wonderful dentist in this church would recommend, he would have used 11,628 toothbrushes during his lifetime. Today we call a senior adult someone that reaches 55 or 62 or 65, what would we call someone that lived over 900 years? Maybe a fossil. And one final horrifying thought, this depressed me. If Methuselah would have lived today, that means he would have lived through 242 presidential elections. Reason enough to make you want to die an early death. (laughs) Methuselah lived 969 years, but then he died. But if you continue reading Genesis chapter 5 carefully, and most people don't, but hidden away in a very obscure verse... You find an exception to the rule that one out of every one dies. Tucked away in this very morbid chapter of the Bible, you read about a man who lived but never had to go through the valley of the shadow of death. And who was that? It was Methuselah's dad. Let's read about him. Genesis chapter 5, verse 18. When Jared had lived 162 years... He became the father of Enoch. So Enoch is the one that never died. Verse 19, after he became the father of Enoch and also pronounced Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived 962 years and then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, now listen very carefully because we're we're about to get into some really significant stuff that most people never pay attention to. But when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, what happened? I love this. Enoch walked with God. How long? 300 years. Had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. So so Enoch didn't have a, a super long life that others did back then. Well, in this next verse, it's as if God wanted to reemphasize something about Enoch, and so he put it in the word again. Verse 24, Enoch walked with God. There it is again. And then what happened to Enoch? Then he was no more. Or another translation says he was translated because God took him away. Now, unfortunately, the Bible isn't very generous with details about Enoch. The Old Testament dedicates 51 words to him. The New Testament dedicates ninety uh, what is it? 94 words to him. So if my math is correct, that means we only have a grand total of 145 words telling us about this man that pleased God. But really in these 145 words dedicated to him, it it, it seems as if there are no wasted words. Sometimes we talk with people and, and they talk and they talk and they talk and they go on and on and on and, and, uh, Everything that could ha, that they, they said could have been condensed into one sentence. But, but these 145 words are, are efficiently stated, and, and there's enough truth to where I think we could build an entire sermon series that would last two or three months. And again, we won't do this, but just consider two things right here for this man that never had to die. First, Enoch walked with God. That's good enough for a month of studies right there. Secondly, we could take another month from the words that we find in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5. It says, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony. Listen, he pleased God. So the legacy that Enoch left is that he walked with God and he pleased God. He walked with God and he pleased God. We never read about Enoch parting the sea like Moses did. We never read about Enoch raising the dead like Elijah did. We, we never read about Enoch leading an army like Joshua or David did. We never read about Enoch preaching a powerful message like Peter did after the day of Pentecost where 3,000 people came to know Christ. Enoch's only claim to fame can be summed up with the words, He walked with God, he pleased God. He walked with God, he pleased God. But, really, what else needs to be said? You know, at funerals, it's always interesting to hear about the legacy of the deceased. And after conducting several hundred funerals, um, I, I can almost predict what the family will want Said about their loved one. Almost without fail, the family will tell me, please let everyone know that our dad or our mom or our husband or our wife loved their family and they lived for their family. And, and that's wonderful. I, I hope my family can say that about me when I'm pushing up daisies six feet under. Family is important. Don't misunderstand me. But when it comes to families giving me information for the funeral of the deceased, I've had very few, and in fact, I'm trying to think of any. Where they would say, Joe, would you please tell the people that our loved one walked with God and pleased God? And in light of eternity, nothing else matters. And of course, family is important. We need to love our family and spend time with our family. That's biblical. But but family and, and so many of the other things that we give our lives for do not determine our eternal destiny. You can be a good family person and still die and go to hell. So in light of eternity, what really matters is, did you please God? What really matters is, did you walk with God? You know, the greatest tribute a child could give his dad is that daddy walked with God. The greatest thing a church could say about a member is that they walked with God. The, the greatest thing that people you work with could ever say about you is that you walked with God. The, the greatest compliment you could ever give me as your pastor is that I walked with God, I please God, that's what matters. If I please you but don't please God, what have I gained? If I was just a good family man but didn't please God, what have I gained? You know, someone has said, civilized man has learned how to fly, but he's lost the art of walking with God. And so God instructs us, not not only through the example of Enoch, but in a very direct command in the New Testament, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. So there are two questions I would like to ask you before we continue. You know what they are. Are you walking with God? And are you pleasing God? Let's simplify everything down to these questions. Are you walking with God? Are you pleasing God? Forget for a moment everything else. Forget your job. Forget your bank account. Forget the fun you're going to have on vacation. Are you walking with God? Are you pleasing God? But there's something else that I find interesting about Enoch's walk with God. Do you happen to know when it appeared that Enoch started walking with God? Let's look at verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years, had other sons and daughters. So so the Bible says nothing about him walking with God the first 65 years of his life. and, And he may have. We just don't know. But it's clear after Enoch became a daddy... He walked with God. So so my question this morning that we can just kind of sort through and think about is, what do you think it was about the birth of Methuselah that caused God to want us to know that Enoch walked with God? And I I, I can't say that I know for sure, but I do know personally that there's something about the birth of a first child that causes parents to reflect on their parental responsibility. You know, when we look at that little helpless, uh, incredible creation that God has placed under our care, that there's something that, that initially causes us to want to make sure that we're doing everything to see that this little life is raised the right way. Now, unfortunately, many times this fades after a few months or years go by after other children come into the home. But there's something about the birth of that first child where most parents are so in awe of the beauty of this child and, and they want to make sure that they're raising this child the right way. And so maybe Enoch as he looked at little Methuselah, Methuselah and looked at his little stubby fingers and, and looked into his eyes and, and looked at his chubby cheeks, and he perhaps realized that the way that daddy lived would largely determine where his eternal destiny would be. Several years ago, there was an article in the U.S. News and World Report. and that, In that article, it was reported that studies of delinquency conducted at Harvard University showed that six out of every ten juvenile delinquents had fathers who were indifferent to them, and many of them were indifferent to church and the things of the Lord. So after Methuselah was born, God wanted us to know that Enoch followed the Lord. Something else I notice. Once Enoch made that decision to follow the Lord, in verse 22, after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God, how long? 300 years Think about that. We always love to have stories, hear stories of new people coming to Christ. and But just as inspirational to me, and maybe even more so, is to hear of those who have walked with God for 50, 60, 70 years. Um, I mean, my, I, I honor people like Silas. I honor people like Luella. I honor people like Ron and Joanne. and honor people like Pastor... Can that have walked with God so many years. Enoch's walk with God extended to 300 years. What's sad is that church history is littered with people who started walking with God but then stopped. And honestly, probably my greatest disappointment as as pastor of this church is to see those who who have fallen away from the Lord. They started right, but they got sidetracked. But there's one more thing I want to bring out, and I, uh, I, I'm going to need you to really focus here. Um, hang with me. We've talked about how Enoch's boy was Methuselah. Now, today we pick names because they're popular or because we like them or because they're a family namesake. And I was just looking up a little bit this, this past week. The four most popular boy names in 2020 were Oliver, Liam, Theodore, Ethan. The four most popular girl names in 2020, and this surprised me, Emilia, Charlotte, and this was the one that surprised me, Aurora, and Violet. And all of those names have meaning, but most of us don't choose names because of the meaning of the name. We choose names because we like them or because we want them to carry on a family name. But in the Bible, names always had a special meaning, and many times they carried a message within that name. And, and there was definitely a message in the name Methuselah, because here is what the name Methuselah means. It means, when he is dead, it shall come. Now, some of you are in the fast class, you already know what this is referring to, but others of you are like me, and you need some extra tutoring here. When he is dead, it Shall come. What was going to come when Methuselah died? Well, get your calculators out. Uh, we're going to math class. We've already gone to South America. Now we're going to math class. And let's see if we can figure out this riddle. Uh, and, and if you're ADD, you're going to have to really try hard to pay attention. Genesis 5 25 says this When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he became the father of Lamech. So at the young age of 187, so ladies, there's still hope for you and men, um, at the young age of 187, Methuselah becomes the father of Lamech. So keep the number 187 in your mind, or just write it down in your bulletin or something. Let's continue reading, verse 28. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. He named him Noah. Now, take the first number of 187, which is the age of Methuselah when Lamech was born. Add that to 182, which is the age of Lamech when his son Noah was born. 187 plus 182 equals what? 369. Now you say, okay, Joe, what what does that number mean? Um, Well, that's the age that Methuselah was when Noah, his grandson was born. Um, are, Are you still tracking with me? Okay, good. Let's continue on. Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, okay, what happened on that day? All the springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of heaven were opened, and rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. So, of course, that's the great flood that covered the earth. Noah was 600 years old when the flood came. So, if you add 369, which is the age of Methuselah when Noah was born, and you add 600, which is the age of Noah when the flood came, you get 969. Now, what's significant about that? Well... We read in Genesis 5.27, Methuselah lived how long? 969 years. And what happened? Then he died. When he is dead, it shall come. Now, do you understand the meaning of Methuselah's name? When he is dead, it shall come. What shall come? The flood. I believe that shortly after... Methuselah drew his last breath. There was a flash of lightning followed by that first crack of thunder and then it began to sprinkle and then rain and then pour and as the old timers used to say it was a toad strangling, gully washing, mud sending, sod soaking rain. And God sent that flood that covered the earth. So what I find so extremely significant about the life and the name Methuselah is this. The oldest man who ever lived or at least On record, there might have been others, but on record was Methuselah. And what I find significant is that early in the history of the world, man, this gets me, early in the history of the world, God was showing that he's a merciful God. And every day that Methuselah lived was another opportunity for man to get right with God. And so God allowed Methuselah to live an extra long life, not willing that any should perish, but giving ma- mankind extra time to repent before the flood came. And so it appears that Enoch, as Methuselah was born, received in his son a message from God that judgment was coming. And through the birth of his son, Enoch realized that he needed to walk with God. What does that mean for us today? A couple of things. First of all, for those uh, of us who are parents, for those of us who are grandparents, the responsibility is yours. The responsibility is mine to walk with God and to please God and to live a life of holiness, live a life of godliness. And again the question is are you doing that am i doing that i know you love your family your family will tell me to include that in my thoughts at your funeral of course you love your family we all do but what really matters is are we walking with god are we pleasing god and and just a note when we walk with god when we please god did you know we will do a better job of loving our family because our priorities will be in order then the second thing that we need to get from this point is that even though God said he would never again flood the earth like he did and what's the reminder of that promise a rainbow and it seems like the rainbow has been stolen away from us we're afraid to mention the rainbow but the rainbow means that God will never again flood the entire earth with water But even though God will never again flood the earth again with water, God tells us that he will flood the earth with judgment. And I happen to believe that the only reason that judgment hasn't come is because, again, God is not willing that any should perish. His his goal is the salvation of every single person that walks this earth. And, And so God is giving us chance after chance after chance after chance to walk with him. But one day he shall come and judgment shall come. The last thing, and I'll let you go. The Hebrew writer said this in, in the verse that we read earlier in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Now, Now, what does all of this really mean? First of all, it means that one day Enoch was walking with God, and suddenly he was caught away. One of the great evangelists of the mid-1800s to uh, early uh, 1900s, or or late-1800s to mid-1900s, G. Campbell Morgan. He said this, he said, One day, Enoch and God spent the day walking together, and toward the end of the day, God said to Enoch, You're closer to my house than yours, so just come on up. Enoch was caught away in a personal rapture just for him. And what excites me is that there's a generation, and church, it could be ours. There's a generation in, who also will not have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and will just be carried away by God. Paul tells us in one of the most exciting scriptures in in the Bible in 1 Thessalonians, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, and with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Isn't that an exciting scripture? It says, don't scare each other with these words. Encourage each other with the reminder that there is a rapture in the future. And and during this rapture, those who are alive will not die. They will be carried away to heaven. Now, we may not be fortunate enough to experience the rapture in our lifetimes. We may end up having to die. If that happens, it's okay. Because as I've said probably a thousand times, And I will keep on saying it as long as I'm here as pastor. For the Christian, the tombstone is just a stepping stone to the precious stones where we will see the cornerstone in heaven. Philippians 121 says, For to me to live is Christ, to die it again. You know what? It's all good. It's all good a dear old saint who had walked with God for years was near death and her body was racked with disease and pain and knowing that she was dying and it wouldn't be long a friend asked her how are you doing and she said I am almost well I'm almost well so church don't back up don't give up, don't let up until we've been taken up to our heavenly home but if you're not walking with God If you're not pleasing Jesus, he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should repent and come to know him. And you have today. You may not have tomorrow, but you have today to begin your walk with Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand. Um, Maybe there's somebody here that wants to start walking with Jesus. (laughs) Maybe there's someone here that wants to just say, you know what, I haven't been doing what I should have been doing. I started, but I stopped. Or maybe I've never started, I've just pretended. You know, here at this church, we give you opportunities from time to time, and you have an opportunity anytime really, but if you want to come and kneel here and just say, God, you've spoken to my heart today, and I want to just spend some time praying and I want to make sure that I'm pleasing you. Is there anyone that your head's bowed, eyes closed? Is there anybody that maybe before you do that would just lift a hand and say, God really spoke to me today. Would you pray for me, Pastor? Don't come back and embarrass me. Is there anybody that just lift a hand and say, pray for me, Pastor? God has definitely spoken to me. Anybody, just lift a hand. Thank you. Anybody? Anybody want to come forward? You... uh, you felt God's presence and maybe in a special way you've just realized that you need to make some tweaks in your life. God is so merciful you have today. Anybody? You want to come and kneel? Oh, Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is so amazing. God, I thank you that uh, you've included these kind of somewhat bizarre and even obscure stories. Lord, I thank you that you have uh, given us just hope that you are a merciful God. You are not willing that any should perish. Father, I just pray that, I, I pray that this week we would make sure we're walking with you, that make sure we're pleasing you. God, for those that maybe aren't right with you, I pray that this would be the day that they would start walking with you again. Lord, thank you for your mercy that endures forever. Lord, thank you that you're not going to destroy the earth with another flood, but judgment is coming. And so God, I I just pray that we would be ready. We would be ready. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. And everybody said,